we've got some books available. God's Blueprint. I wrote this 10 years ago. I wrote this in um, 2012. And uh, I was drawn back to it the last couple of weeks. And when I was reading it, I was like, oh my goodness. I wrote that 10 years ago for today. And it speaks about how the church shouldn't have a vision. It should have a mission. You see, a lot of trendy churches, and we're all trendy churches to one degree or another, we put a lot of emphasis on vision. Oh, we need this vision. The vision for the year is this. Listen, my friends, the times have changed. We don't need vision, we need mission. We need the mission that Jesus Christ gave his church 2,000 years ago to be our mission in this generation. And so that book digs into some of those thoughts. I'm not going to give these away because I took them from your bookshop and that would be a little bit cheeky. I could give away my own stuff. But I, I, I would do it. And, and uh, Soul Winner, how many people were on the Soul Winner boot camp that we did? I had some people encouraging me that they enjoyed that. Um, you know, the Soul Winner boot camp, so far we've seen 2,500 households um, take five nights and invest in how to be the best soul winner God's called them to be. But the Soul Winner Boot Camp is based on this book, um, Soul Winner. So if you've not yet got yourself a copy of that, really invest in that. You'll be glad that you did. I want to talk to you today, not so much a message, but I want to prophesy concerning where we're heading now as a church. Um, not just as an individual church here in Pennsylvania, but what I believe God's saying to the church, um, to those who have is to hear. So I want to encourage you today. Last night we spoke about the season of breakthrough and the season of breakout in our lives. That God is bringing us into a moment where we're going to see victory on the battlefield, where we're not fighting, we're watching him give us our stuff back. We're seeing a victory coming into our lives. But all I'm hearing as I'm praying these last few months, and it's so strong, I'm hearing one word, and I believe it's a word for you. I felt that I needed to share this to you today. In a prophetic calling you up message. And the word is simply this. It's time to run. It's time to run. It's time to run. It's to Catch that in your heart today. It's time <clears throat> to run. Now I want to open it up a little bit more. Because when I pray. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm not just hearing the word run. But what I'm hearing is. It's time to run your best lap yet. It's time to run the best lap for you and Jesus, that you have ever run. And I believe that that's a word for your church. Now, you've got many great laps behind you. You know, thankful for the leadership of Pastor Wayne and Margaret. You've got many laps that lay behind you. And some of those laps were, were memory laps. They were incredible laps. <clears throat> they were laps of breakthrough. But what I want to say to you today is your greatest lap is now here. Your greatest lap is now here. Your greatest lap is now here. And by faith, we need to step into what God is doing now. Forget the season that we've come out of and now be ready to run in this season that is upon us, which is a God season. It's a God moment. But when I'm saying run, I'm speaking to you as a church. It's time to run. It's time to run. Not crawl, run. Not just it's time to run, but also I want to speak to you as individuals. This year needs to be your best lap yet. Needs to be your forgetting what lays behind. We've all had bad laps. We've all had average laps. We've all had great laps. But God's about to give you your best lap yet. But you need to be on the track ready for it to happen. God is a God of seasons. And I love it when you read in First Chronicles, it speaks of the sons of Issachar that were one of the tribes of Israel. 
<clears throat> and I love what it says about the sons of Issachar. It says that the sons of Issachar, and that's in 1 Chronicles 12.32, it says the sons of Issachar knew the season that they were in and how they should respond. They knew the season that they were in, the time that they were in, but also they knew how they should respond to the season that they were in. We need to be like the sons of Issachar and be aware of the season that we're in. Not the season we've come from. The season we're now in. And be ready to respond with a run to what God is now doing in this season. This is prophetic this morning. It's not just a message. I'm sowing this into your hearts. I know that this is true to what your pastors have got in their heart for you also. Seasons are interesting. You know, on Friday morning... I woke up in Great Britain, and it was damp, and it was raining. That's not uncommon for Great Britain. It doesn't really make Britain that great, especially when it comes to the weather. I woke up on Friday morning, and it was damp, it was wet, it was murky, it wasn't freezing. I woke up the next day in Williamsport, and I thought, I'm going to go for a walk. And I left the hotel, and I thought, if I don't go back to the hotel, I am going to die. I was wearing what I was wearing in Portsmouth on Friday morning and I was okay in Portsmouth because the season I was in was conducive to what I was wearing. But suddenly when I left the hotel in Williamsport, I thought, my breath is freezing, my head's freezing. If I don't get in and get myself a coat, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this visit. I came into a new season, which meant I needed to dress for a new season. I wasn't wearing an overcoat in England. But when I came to here, I needed to break out an overcoat for the season that I was in. What I want to put to you, members of the jury, is simply this. It's time for us to put our running shoes on. It's time for us to take our slippers off. That season is over. That season is over. Now, when we talk about lockdown and COVID... We were shut in England, our churches, for 18 months. Can you imagine that? Not 18 weeks. Our churches in England were shut for 18 months. And we were in a season of gathering everybody online, keeping people connected by Zoom and some of those other great inventions. I'm so glad that that season is over. It was Easter last year when suddenly we were allowed to gather again. And boy, there was a shout in the camp. But it was amazing after not doing church for 18 months, some of the responses that we saw, because we were out of touch with people to some degree. We really had to trust in what they had in God. And there were three kind of common responses to the 18-month lockdown. I called it the COVID cave. There were some people that went missing and they were never seen again. But when the church came out of lockdown, we never stopped being the church because the church isn't a building, it's a people. It's not a meeting or a service, it's a people. It's a people called out of darkness into light. It's a community of faith. So when the church in England came out of that time of lockdown, we had people missing in action. I've put posters up around the city, wanted, have you seen this person? That when we took away the gathering of the church, they didn't have anything in God to keep on walking with him. And they just disappeared. We're still looking for them. We're going to find them. Bring them home. There were others 
who didn't really have anything more with God than what they had when they went in. But they pretty much pressed pause. And for 18 months watched us online, didn't develop their walk with God, didn't find a stronghold of prayer or a place of personal devotion. And when I met them, it was like, nothing's really changed. Ah, but then there were some other people. And during that time of lockdown, as it was called, they pushed in the God. They found, that was me. I, I found a new place with God. I found a new anointing. I thought, I'm not going to waste a moment because God is in all things working for our good. And I saw people coming out that once had a mediocre walk with God. Now they were Holy Ghost hooligans, animals, ready to change the world. And I said, that's the person I want to hang out with. Because we need to understand, I'm sure you've worked this out, but in case you haven't, that season of lockdown, that season that we knew, even if it was 18 months or 18 weeks, it's over. We're in the next moment now. We're in the next moment now. We've got to take off our slippers of lockdown, our fears of lockdown, our, 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 just our, our casualness of lockdown and say, God, what are you doing now? God's saying it's time to run. It's time to run, not just run, but run your best lap you've ever run before. When I think about this moment, for me, it was like that moment with Joseph. Remember the storyline of Joseph? Everybody's read the story of Joseph. <clears throat> Maybe you've seen the theatre play. Everybody's pretty much heard of Joseph. I closed my eyes, pulled back the... No one ever saw the show. <laughs> this show's written about that moment. But there's a moment in the storyline of Joseph where a door opens and a new season begins. But that new door, that new season followed a moment of lockdown. Joseph had a lockdown. He was imprisoned. Come on, you know the story of Joseph. He's given a vision by God as a young man, but it doesn't come to pass till later on. He's lied about. Have you ever been lied about? He was accused. Have you ever been accused? He was thrown into prison and during that time still was faithful to prophesy to the baker and to the cupbearer. But he was in prison for something he didn't do. He was in lockdown and he didn't do anything to deserve it. But I want to tell you one thing about Joseph. He wasn't sitting in the corner of the prison cell, fetal, sucking his thumb, saying, why me, why... He was walking around. He was doing press-ups in the corner. Why? Because he knew there was a day coming when that door would open. How did he know that? Because the things that God had promised him had not yet come to pass. Which meant he was in a moment of lockdown, but that moment of lockdown would come to an end. And when it did, and when that door opened, he wasn't going to crawl out. He was going to run out and be used for the purposes of God in his generation. Now, there were other people in that prison with him, and they were curling up. They'd quit in the corner. Met some Christians like that. There were others walking around, why me, why me? I see Joseph in the corner doing spiritual press-ups. Oh, there's a day coming when that door opens, and when that door opens, I'm going to run out of it. Oh, there's a day coming when that door opens. There's a day coming when lockdown will be over. And when lockdown is over and that door opens, the moment I hear the lock turn, the moment I hear the bolts begin to move, 
They're not going to have to come and find me. They're going to see me rush out of that door because I know that God spoke to me a word and I've not seen that word come to pass. When I was a boy, I heard God say things to me and I knew it was a rhema word and those things haven't happened, which meant this is not my season. This is a moment. This lockdown is just a moment, but there's another season, a moment coming after this. And when it does, I'm going to be ready. And then you read about that moment in Genesis 41, verse 14, where suddenly everything that God was doing came together. Don't you love those moments? And all of a sudden, you've got the leader of the nation who can't work out a dream. His wise men couldn't work out the dream. Then you've got the cupbearer who had been silent since Joseph had helped him. Suddenly the cupbearer is with the leader of the nation in the exact moment that he could say, I know a man. I know a man. He can answer your dreams. And it says the leader of the nation sent for Joseph, Genesis 41, 14. And it says that they came and opened the prison door. And it says Joseph came out, washed stood before the leader of the nation, told him the meaning of his dream. And within the end of the chapter, he's second in charge in the nation only to the leader. In a moment, a door opened. He came out of isolation and lockdown, false accusation, into a moment of favour where he stood before a leader of a nation And before the prison smell was fully off of him, he was second in charge, leading a nation into freedom. The door is open, church. And we need to have run in our hearts. We can't be hanging around the prison when the door's open. That's called being conditioned. Don't let some disease, some sickness, some pandemic condition you. But rather hear the door open and come out running. Your church needs you to come out running. Your wife needs you to come out running. Your family needs you to come out running. Well, I just kind of got used to this season. Get unused to it. Because we're in a moment where we're going to see the purposes of God sweep across the Western world. America, England, Europe. You're going to see a move of God's Spirit. Get ready. Get your trainers on. Get your sneakers on. Get ready. This is going to be fast and furious. Come on, I'm prophesying today. Enjoy January where you're getting ready. Because that door's open and we're coming out. Now, I believe that this is a word not just for individuals, but for the church. We need to be ready to run our race. A couple of verses here, and I'm just kind of downloading stuff I'm hearing the Lord say. It's found in in Hebrews chapter 12. And it speaks of those who ran before us. It speaks of Jesus running for us. And then it speaks of our time to run. Now listen to these words written by this this, this person under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, since we are surrounded 
by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us now throw off everything that hinders sin that so easily entangles. And let us now run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What's the race marked out for us? The mission that Jesus gave us. If you want to know the lines to the track that we run within, it's the mission that Jesus gave us 2,000 years ago. We need to be passionate as a church to seeing the lost saved, people discipled, and the power of God setting people free from captivity and oppression. Because we no longer read the book of Luke and say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. Now we say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, the church, to break oppression, set prisoners free, open doors, proclaim the good news of the gospel, and a year of jubilee. Now that same spirit that was once on him is now on us and in us to bring freedom to the cities that are in confusion. It says, let us now cast off everything that entangles. <clears throat> Let's run with perseverance, this race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy who was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, but now he sat down at the throne of God. It's our time to run now. We've got to be ready for what God wants to do in our nation and in our city, in this moment when the door is now open. Have you come out of a prison yet? Have you come out of that moment of lockdown yet? The church needs you to be out of lockdown in your heart and in your thinking. The church needs you to be ready to run the best lap of your church yet. What's this run about? It's about soul saved. Us taking soul winning seriously. Us reaching the lost. That's what Jesus wants us to run it's about mission, not vision. Well, our vision for 2022, no, no. This year is about mission. We're returning to the blueprint mission of God. What matters to him now matters to us. The things he asked us to do are now our marching orders again. We're a people who are going to go into all the world and communicate the gospel to others. We're a people who are obsessed with helping people move from convert to follower. We're a people that want to experience the power <clears throat> of the Holy Spirit operating not just from the platforms of church, but through the hands of every person that's a follower of Jesus Christ. This is a time to get people saved, get people baptised. Come on. This is a time to get people saved and people baptised. And people filled with the Holy Spirit. People set free from captivity and oppression. Not in our meetings, but in our everyday lives. Come on, it's time for the church to run its best lap yet. But I also want to talk about you. Because every one of us has a lap that we need to run for Jesus. It involves our personal walk with him. It involves our obedience to doing the things he's asked us to do. Us giving the things he's asked us to give. Us going where he told us to go. But sometimes we can lose our personal responsibility in a corporate attendance. But when God is speaking this word, it's time to run, run your best lap yet. 
He's not just speaking to us as a body of people. He's speaking to every single follower and believer of Jesus today. I don't know. Sometimes I think we forget things we shouldn't forget. And recently I was at a funeral when I was reminded of something that I'd not heard preached for years. And I can't remember when I forgot it, but I never should have. Do you know that there's a crown that waits for you for the life that you've lived for Jesus on the earth? Some would call it the winner's crown. I haven't heard people preach on the winner's crown since I was a younger man, a lot younger. But I believe that God's breathing upon these scriptures again that we need to know the thing that motivates us shouldn't be incentives given by the church. It should be a driven inner belief that there's a crown for every believer to win. Now, it's not like your righteousness. Your righteousness, you do nothing to get it. He clothes you in his righteousness by you believing in him. But the crown... It belongs to those who ran a race for him in the life that they lived here. When I began to consider this, I could hear the voice of mentors in my life. One of them being Vaughan, who had a great influence on my life. Making those statements we haven't heard for so long. Do you know there's a crown to be won? With the life that you're living now, do you know that there's a crown that every believer should be running to get from Jesus? Not in this life, but in the one to come. A dear friend of mine who was a great mentor, his name was Pastor Colin Urquhart. He passed away this year. And I had the privilege of being a part of his tribute. And this is where the Holy Spirit really awoken this thought within me and I've not been able to get over it and I'm glad about that I went to the funeral of this man who lived and served God for over 50, 60 years and he'd been faithful to the purposes of God everything that God had asked him to do he'd done it even to great cost he'd gone when he didn't want to go he'd given when he'd not wanted to give he'd lived true for 50 to 60 years of ministry and they spoke this verse over his life at his funeral. Not only did it become a great tribute to the man that they were speaking about, but it stirred something in me. It stirred something in me. When I read these words or heard these words speaking over a man who'd lived for God all of his days or all of his adult life, something in me said, I want them to speak these words over me. I want these to be my statements in the end days of my life. Let me read them to you. You find them in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And you hear Paul, who was ready to see Jesus. He was, he was ready for Jesus. He'd already said, listen, I'd rather be with him, but for your sakes I will remain. He wasn't scared of going home. He wasn't scared of seeing his saviour. But I love these words. In verse 6 it says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I have fought 
the good fight. I have finished the race. Do you know that that means I have finished my race? The things God wanted me to do, I've done them. The things God wanted me to achieve, I've achieved them. He says, I've kept the faith. But listen, church, listen to this. This is a bit that really rocked my world. Now there is in store for me the winner's crown, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day when I see him. This is a bit I want to deposit with you today. And not only to me, but also to everyone who lived longing for his appearing. Now that word crown, it's an unusual word. There's two words that's used for crown in scripture. There's one word which is diadem. And it means the crown that belongs to Christ alone. But the word that's used here, and in the book of Revelations and in other places in the New Testament, is the word Stephanos. And it means a martyr's crown. It means a crown that belongs to every person who ran their race to win. I looked up the meaning of this crown and it says the wreath or the garland given as a prize to those who are victorious in public games. Can you hear what Paul's saying? I've run my race. Now praise God, there awaits for me a winner's crown that Jesus will present to me for the life I lived, the sacrifices I made, the things I did for him and his kingdom while I was alive on the earth. But then Paul says, and there also awaits a crown for every person who did the same. Well, we're all going to get a crown. No, we're not. Everybody gets the righteousness because that's based on his performance. The winner's crown is given to those who ran the race that God gave them to run. I want to prophetically speak into your life and say lockdown is over. <laughs> the prison door is over. If you're still wearing prison clothes, that's so last season. You should be wearing trainers. Because the Spirit of God is moving on the earth. And he's looking for a people who will no longer be distracted. Who will cast off things that slow them down. But catching their hearts. There's a crown to be won that Jesus one day will give me for the life I lived for him. Do you know Queen Victoria, <clears throat> she was an unusual woman. Unusual parenting skills if you look into her life. She was just a very unusual lady. But she made a quote that I loved so much. Queen Victoria of England said, I long to see the return of Jesus during my reign so that I may have the privilege of casting my crown at his feet. Isn't that a great quote from the Queen of a Nation? 
You see, when Jesus gives us our crown in glory, we won't want to wear them. We'll want to cast them at his feet. In that day, I don't want to be the man without the crown to cast at the feet of the one who's wearing the diadem. When we crown him with many crowns, what we'll do in that day in glory, and one day we will all be standing in glory, and this will seem so short, so irrelevant, when at the moment it seems everything. But a day's coming when Jesus Christ himself will take out of his storeroom a crown that he had for you. And if you've run your race, now your race isn't my race. I don't need to run like Billy Graham ran. I don't need to run like Reinhard Bonnke ran. I don't need to run like Catherine Coleman ran. They had a crown that God had for them when they fulfilled what God asked of them on the earth. But there's a crown in heaven, man. Do you not get this? There's a crown in heaven with Andy Elms' name on it. One day Jesus is going to come. If I can just keep running, if I can just keep running. And he's going to say, well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. Some people think that God's going to give them a token statement because he's nice. (laughs) Some Christians that just want to sit on their blessed assurance, not run, because it's not convenient. They kid themselves. But God's going to say, oh, the same to you as well. God has to be honest. He's truth. Some people say to me, Andy, I can't wait to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. I said, Forgive me for honesty. When were you good? When were you faithful? And when did you serve for purposes of God to your own cost in this life? When did you do something God asked you to do that you didn't want to do but was inconvenient? When did you lay down your life and choose something lesser than what you could make for yourself because it was what God wanted for you? We need to get passionate about this moment we're in. I honestly believe that the return of Jesus Christ is certainly closer than when we first believed. And the things that motivated us before, like, what will be my title in church? If I do this, what will I get? What's the incentives? What's the benefits? All that stuff is so last season. What we need to do is get a fresh passion in my heart about no reward in this life. But one day, it's not a fairy tale, it's not a myth. One day, every follower of Jesus Christ, every believer will stand before him in the righteousness that he's given. This isn't about going to heaven or going to hell. That was settled when you believed in Christ. This is about Jesus wants to give you a reward for the life you lived for him when no one was watching. The things you gave when no one saw your hand move. The places you went when no one knew where you had gone. That's why I really felt the Lord just come and stir your hearts today. Let's begin to think again about this winner's crown. 
It was preached on in the years gone by, in the 50s and the 60s. But people stopped preaching about it in the 80s and the 90s. But I was sitting in that funeral, that tribute service, and something stirred in me again, not of anything that this life could give me. No reward that I could earn, no acclaim that this world could give me, but rather a moment that will take place in eternity one day. When my Jesus, my King, comes and brings to me a winner's crown and says, well done. I know it was tough, but you lived for me on the earth. I want to close with one thought because there's many thoughts about this crown and I'll finish with a scripture in Corinthians in a moment. But when I looked at this crown, I thought about Revelations chapter 2 and verse 10. And it speaks of this crown again, but it's a pastor talking to the church in Smyrna. And this is the message you would never want your pastor to preach. The pastor stood up and said, Hey church, how you doing? Praise God. Did you enjoy the praise and worship today? Listen, I need to tell you some things that Jesus wants you to know. But there's every chance this week, this month, that because you've said you're a follower of Jesus Christ, people are going to come and take you and imprison you. And if you don't deny Jesus for 10 days, read it, it's in the book of Revelations. This is a pastor speaking to his church, a message that Jesus gave them. It's in red, if you've got a Bible with red bits. The pastor stands there and he says, listen, there's some people that don't appreciate you living your life out loud for Jesus. And there's every chance this week, this month, they're going to come and take you and your family. It's really happened. When we understand this stuff and I hear Christians go, well, I can't go to church, it's too cold. I'm like, grow up. <laughs> oh, I can't do this for God, it's too inconvenient. Same, grow up. This pastor spoke to the church in Smyrna and said, they're going to come and take you and imprison you for 10 days. But if you don't deny Jesus, there awaits for you a crown. Stephanus that Christ himself will give to you. Do you know actually what was happening in that moment? The church was under a persecution by an emperor that had confessed himself as God. And they would take followers of Jesus, like you and me, and they would put them in prison, and they would torture them for 10 days. And if they didn't deny Jesus, there was two things that would happen. Number one, they would be burnt alive, or number two, they would be thrown to the lions to entertain the Romans. Option one, option two. Yet this pastor said, don't deny him, because there's a crown. There's a crown that lasts all eternity with your name on. Oh, the Holy Spirit will give you the strength and the grace. Don't, don't deny him. Live for him. Now, the history books record that actually... The pastor of the church of Smyrna was a really spiritual son of John. And you know with John they tried to boil him in oil and couldn't get the oil hot enough. History records that within that week, 
they came and took the pastor of the church of Smyrna. And they imprisoned him and his family for 10 days. And they tortured him. But he couldn't deny Christ. And it says that they went to burn him at the stake, but they couldn't get him to catch light. What runs in the fathers runs in the sons. They couldn't, so they ran him through with a sword. Listen, we're not living in those moments now. But we are living in moments where the world outside these doors needs to see a people that live what they believe. That aren't scared of proclaiming his name where his name needs to be heard. That aren't scared to treat life as a daily mission. Not because they'll get a reward in this life. But because one day, there's a crown, man. (laughs) There's a crown. There's a crown. But Jesus himself is going to give to every person that ran the race. He gave them the run. Hey, I know normally when I come and preach, I'm quite funny and I like being funny. But I just believe that we need to hear this today. That there's a race that we need to run as a church, the Door Fellowship. Has a race it needs to run now. And the lines of that race is the Great Commission. That as a community of people, you get passionate about soul winning. More than you've ever been before. About disciple making about seeing people baptised in water, baptised in the Spirit, about seeing people healed when you pray for them, captivity broken, demons cast out. We need to get passionate as a community of people. But I pray that something that I've said today stirs your life personally. Let's not live for the rewards of this life, the momentary crowns that this life promises, sometimes gives. But let something inside of us be stirred that in eternity, one day, I will stand before my Jesus. And in that moment, when I'm bowed down worshipping for thousands of years, He will do what He said He would do. And He will give me a crown, a winner's crown for the lap I ran for Him in this life. Let me just read these verses to you. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but one gets the prize? Good news is we all get the prize in his race. But run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that isn't going to last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. We run our race for God with all the sacrifice, the things we do that we didn't want to do. We run a race for Jesus to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I'm not going to run like someone aimlessly running. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my flesh and I make it my slave so that when I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. What's the time? 
It's time to run. What's the season? It's not prison time. It's not lockdown anymore. God has opened the door and the church has come out of lockdown. Now it's time for us to run. What's God asking you to do? Do it. Stop giving excuses. What's God asking you to give? Give it. Stop giving apologies. Find out what God is asking you to do with the life he blessed you to live and spend the rest of your days doing what he's asked of you, knowing that there is waiting for you in heaven, in eternity, in a place that has no end, a crown for the life that you chose to live for him. There's a crown. There's a crown. There's a crown for every follower of Jesus that won't deny him, that won't sit back, but will join him on the racetrack. That's what I'm feeling this year. Come on, Lord, I'm on the racetrack. Last night we spoke about being on the battlefield. Now I'm talking about being on the racetrack. I'm on the racetrack, Jesus. Where do you want me to go? Boy, you know, the moment America opened its borders, this Englishman was here. Phew, I was it. Come on, come on. I'm more fit than I've ever been. I'm more ready what I've ever... Because when I was in lockdown, I was spending time with him. I couldn't wait for the door to open. The door is open. But there's opportunities of doors that are opening to you right now. There's things that God are going to open. There's open heavens that are coming upon your life. There's moments of opportunity. Come on, let's not be found sleeping. Let's awaken to the moment that we're in and the purposes of God in our generation. David, it says, when he died, had served the purposes of God in his generation. Who's going to serve God's purposes in this generation? It's us. It's his church. This is our moment. This is our time. Our greatest hour is upon us. The devil's done everything he could do. God's about to show his hand. God's about to show his hand. Everyone else has put their cards on the table, but there's one left who's about to show his hand, and that's Jesus, the King of Kings. He's about to move on the earth in power and authority. And he's looking for a people who will run. Not like, run. He's looking for a people who are just going to take off running. They're just going to take off running. It's not time to sit down. It's time to take off running. He's looking for a people who are going to take off running and live it full on. They're going to live as if he's coming back tomorrow. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna go. Their prayer is going to be the best lap yet. They're giving the best lap yet. Oh, I've done some good giving in the past. Now this year, my best giving, best gi- best, best lap, yeah. Because it's time to run. Whew, I've got to get fit if I'm going to do this running. Hey, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, why wouldn't you? It's the best life you could ever imagine. With the sacrifices with the laying down of things. It's the best life you could ever ask for. There's no greater life than walking with Jesus Christ. There's no better adventure 
been saying, what do you want to do today, Jesus? And getting up with a heart to do it, even if it seems impossible. Come on, if, if the mission God's given us isn't scaring us, it's not big enough. Oh, he's speaking some things now. I'm like, God, that's going to cost a lot of money. It's a good job, but he's got a lot. That's going to take the best of who I am and more. But come on, let's do it. There's a world to be won. Do you know when I wake up in the morning these days, I want to think big. So when I look in the mirror and I'm brushing my teeth, I say, come on, Andy. Let's go save a world. Come on, Andy. Let's go save a world. Let's go save a world. Because there's a crown. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, this is the time to do it. This is the moment to do it. No more holding back. Jump in with both feet. Can we just pray a salvation prayer together at the close of this service? Is that okay? Everybody join in. And as we pray it, we all just commit our lives to fresh surrender, fresh submission. You can never pray this prayer enough times. God hears your heart every time. Got some great adventures coming. Get ready. Don't make too many plans. I keep telling you. Make plans, but don't make too many. Come on, let's pray this. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your Son to save me and to give me a life worth living. I believe in you, Jesus. And I give my life to you today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let my life be born again. Thank you for salvation. Amen. Just my every eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, maybe you've been away from the Lord. Maybe this is your first morning back. But today you say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to give my life back to Jesus. I need to stop living for me. I need to start living for him. My life has drifted, but today I'm coming home. I've never prayed a prayer like that, Andy. I've prayed that prayer for me today. As I count to three, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand boldly and say, I prayed that prayer for me today. Either because you've never known Jesus or you're bringing your life back to him today. When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand so that heaven can see it. Lift it so high that heaven can see it. Are you ready? One, two, Three. Oh, so many hands going up across this hall. Love that. So many hands going up across this hall. Young hands, older hands. We got one, we got two, we got three, we got four, we got five, we got six, we got seven, we got eight, we got nine or ten hands. I love this. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon each of these people. I pray that they would be filled with your Spirit. Right now where they're sitting, that you would baptise them and fill them with the Holy Spirit. That things that once made sense don't make sense anymore. New desires begin to burn in them that are towards God and not away from God. Thank you that salvation comes to their house today and their lives are never the same. Listen, if you've lifted your hand, 
and it's the first time you've responded to Christ, you need to speak to one of the pastors afterwards just so that they can help you get on the track of what God's got for you the next. If you've lifted your hand because you've been away from God, come and talk to one of the leaders, the ministry team. Tell them the decision that you've made so that they can help you walk forwards now. Praise God. Well, thank you. You're such good listeners. Did anyone get stirred today? Come on, let's live this next week and everyone that follows to win a crown that Christ has stored for us. Amen.